From property to unit trusts to the hottest stocks, we've got you covered. Easy. We never really spoke about money or the framing of it was was always like lacking. It was always like, you know, because we're always just trying to make it, just trying to get by. So the conversations weren't so much about like, and it's a big learning because I have a son now. And in the way that I raise him, I want to be very cognizant and how I teach him even from a young age about money and how it works and how to invest and all those things. Because I feel like I missed out on a lot of those lessons for myself growing up. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications, your cool guide to investing. <laughs> My name is DJ At Large and welcome to the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. So we've hosted various people on the podcast from captains of industry to financial experts even a wealth psychologist today things are a little bit different we're hanging out with the business and social media maverick who sits on the throne literally she's the founder of the throne agency a woman-owned content influencer relations insights and social media agency she also serves as a which also serves as a trending online publication. She's also the brand SA Play Your Part ambassador. Her name is Karen Williams. Welcome to the Easy Does It podcast, lady. Thank you so much. Look, one thing I will say, you guys always make me sound so amazing hey. when you do your intro. And hey. I'm like, we've got to make sure. No, I'm like, who's that? Who is we, that person? We need to make sure that they know how important you are. I appreciate it. Thank you for such a beautiful intro. So, of course, we're hanging out with you. We're getting to know you. We're vibing with you. And before we get into all the serious stuff, uh, I've got a random money question for you, right? If your money could speak, what do you think it would say about you? Look at you already laughing. (laughs) What would it say about you? It would say, you need more of me because the life that you're trying to live requires a lot. So it would tell me, ma'am, go work harder because I see the vision, I see where we act, but we need more of me out here. Like. Mm, so you, you, you're a spender. I um, like I, I consider myself a visionary. And I when I envision the business and myself, like I see where I want to be five years from now and 10 years from now. And that's the house that I'm going to live in, the car that I'm going to drive, like, you know, the art that's hanging in the house. And, and you know, those are pricey things so it's always just working towards what my vision is and what my purpose is and what i'm trying to achieve oh beautiful and of course that that means investing your money in yourself in your vision and so forth 100 percent. and i think investing is like honestly the best word because right down to the business i mean having a startup there's a stage where you're like i'm kind of making a little bit money we're not quite there but i could go and spend this money or we can invest this back into the business to grow and like expand what we're actually trying to do and that's where i'm at the moment oh man beautiful Uh, i want to track back a little bit right to 16 year old karen (laughs) um you know what advice would you give your 16 year old self that is such a good question Um, and i chose 16 for a particular reason I did my research on you, girl. <laughs> At 16, I feel like I was a bit problematic. Um, I was very, like, rebellious and very, like... But also just clear, like, I, I, I knew who I was. I knew who I was trying to do. Um, I think I my advice to myself would just be to, like, trust my vision. Um, I was always, like, a, a dreamer and, like, had massive aspirations. But I don't think I truly trusted myself and had confidence in that. So I would have just been, like 
bro, like you are gonna do all the shit you wanna do in life. Like you're gonna do so well, but like trust yourself, trust the process, um, and just yeah, be confident. And of course, that's when your love for writing emerged at that age. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like you'd already found yourself at 16. And I found that very strange. Because at 16, I'm like, yeah, I wanted to be a president. You know, I wanted to be this, that. But it, it almost feels like you'd already figured it out. Funny enough, what you're doing now is sort of like a vision of, of what you really wanted to do, which I found very interesting. So firstly, I'm very, very impressed. I don't know how many people know that like at 16, that literally is the, exactly when I started writing. So um, props to that. That's incredible. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it was the first iteration of like the dream that I'm living now or the, the version of like the work that I do and what we do with the business. But I never would have gotten here without, because writing meant I was a journalist first and a writer, then an editor, then being immersed in the advertising space and what that looked like. And then obviously just understanding content consumption and advertising as a whole and where we are now as like an, an agency and a publication as well. So. I think for me that the core of that was just like expression and like, you know, wanting to, because part of the throne is like that it represents black women and putting a narrative and framing what we do in a way that no one else can do. And I think the foundation of writing was essential for me to be able to do that. So, you know, when I was doing my reading, my research on you, I always assumed you were born in Cape Town because like everything's about Cape Town and I'm like, actually... She wasn't. And then I was even more surprised when I, I found out that she did a BA degree. But then I was like, okay, cool. There was writing. But Amanda, BA, like, what's yeah. actually going on? Um, and obviously, you majored in psychology, sociology, and English. And I was wondering, do, do you ever use any of your psychology and sociology theories in your current role? So from the outside, I think the immediate assumption is not that you would use like psychology or sociology um, in what we do, especially in our business now. But it's so essential to me in being able to understand people and audiences and what is a target demographic? Um, what do they actually look like? Um, what are their passion points? Um, where do they spend their money? Why do they spend their money at certain places? And the psychology behind that. So I didn't think at the time that I was studying it that it would actually benefit me in such a massive way but the knowledge that I gained from that has been just invaluable to what I do today. It's so interesting how you know you 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 study one thing you don't end up working in that field but all that information you still use which is very very interesting. And I think it's and I think I've mentioned this in like one or two interviews before you could have studied law and end up in advertising and it would still have like a benefit or finance and especially like I think we're in like this new creative economy and you kind of need to have an understanding of the whole ecosystem if you if you are a podcaster if you are a content creator if you are a mis- like a musician or an artist you need to understand the creative side of things and the business side of things and how contracts works and have you paid your taxes and like must you get an accountant and stuff like that so um, I think it's the beauty, but also you have to be smart about it and be very, very intentional intentional mm-hmm. about it. 100%. Talking about all the other interviews that you've mentioned, I spent some time do- listening to your interviews. I did some research. That some is so cringeworthy. And, like, and, no! No, I think everyone cringes when like, if I have to go watch my interviews, I'm like, I want to die. I, You're probably the only person that I know that can hear their own voice and not be like, why do I sound like that? That's You're like, <laughs> um, when, when I was listening back to, to all these interviews, doing my research and my reading on you, one thing that emerged is that you have a really good relationship with your dad. Like your dad 
came up a couple of times. Growing up, was money ever discussed in the household with him? I mean, did he teach you anything about money? Ironically, no. <laughs> and that sounds like a terrible answer. I mean, the reality is, and for myself and for a lot of South African people, a lot of us are like first generation to go to varsity, first generation to have like corporate jobs, first generation to be dealing with the amounts of money that we do deal. We never really spoke about money or the framing of it was, it was always like lacking. It was always like, you know, because we're always just trying to make it, just trying to get by. So the conversations weren't so much about like, and it's a big learning because I have a son now and in the way that I raise him, I want to be very cognizant and how I teach, teach him even from a young age about money and how it works and how to invest and all those things um, because I feel like I missed out on a lot of those lessons for myself growing up. I know definitely in black households, money seems to be a bit of a secret. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think it leads to us making mistakes because yeah. if it's such a big secret um, and nobody talks about it, what happens when I get my first salary or I get a loan or I get a car? You know? Because everything is a secret. I never learn anything from absolutely. home. You know? So that's why I think it's so important that generally in households, we start to talk about money. Yes, it's a secret. Yes, it's difficult. But we need to start unearthing that so that we don't make mistakes going forward. 100%. And I feel like it's like you wouldn't give someone a car to just drive without them having the experience or knowledge mm. and stuff. You wouldn't like, you know, let someone drive a plane. And I think that the attitude with money is like, if I've never had any real knowledge or experience, um, and I mean, I think of like, I blew it as, you know, it's such a random example, but people who have not had knowledge um, for the majority of their lives, and then they obviously come into millions within a short, very short period of time, and they don't have those because it's, it's habits habits, habits are like yes, you learn yes, them yes, you understand yes. you see the consequence and they haven't learned that and that's why the money is not retained for a long time and i think it's the exact same thing that you're saying if we have conversations about money and you know you're learning and there are habits that are instilled from a young age you have a much healthier relationship with money going forward as opposed to like Oh my God, I got my... And I'm, I'm going to go to the club. Like, I'm going to drop some racks. I'm going to be in the sick with my friends. It's, as opposed to like, okay, I can do that. But also, let me take 10% and just put in like, you know, let me think about like... And it's interesting now because the space is like, there's NFTs, there's Bitcoin. There's so many new avenues and how we can invest and like grow our money so um yeah it's just it's very interesting yeah and they don't even require you to be rich you know which is a great example you don't need to be rich to start buying shares and owning the market which still there's that lack of us talking about money 100%. at home which is ultimately the actual issue 100 um, and, and i'm glad that you're planning to have those conversations with your son which i think is a beautiful thing no yeah listen he's doing his first influencer campaign at the moment he making that money already listen, listen you know so he already has money i'm gonna be like no you've earned this money it's your money you know this is where it's going this is how it's gonna be invested and obviously age appropriate conversations but by the time he's like 18 like he's gonna be like Born. you know <laughs> <laughs> now, Karen, i, I want to move from you know you being 16 and i want to fast forward to august 2017 very specific with my dates today. Listen, <laughs> you came through. You came through. So you decide to leave your agency job and then you register the throne, right? So you decide, I'm getting a salary. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. I don't want this happiness anymore. I'm now going to register this business. I want to start my own agency. What's going on in your life at that, at that point in time? Why do you decide this is the time for me to take this leap of faith? I don't know if there's something 
like that can be called being too passionate mm -hmm. but I really think that was my problem I had worked in advertising for a few years and I was just I was so passionate about like being a young black woman in that space and in a space that doesn't represent us very well so I was always vocal about those things I was like no like you know I can see things that are not right I can see injustice I injustice I can see things that need to be corrected and uh, the more vocal I became about it the more I got the label of being controversial and I was like no ways there can never be a conversation about equality and representation um, and then me getting the label of being controversial when I'm speaking about something that I think is just like a, a, a truth for everyone so I did become very like disillusioned by being in a space where I felt like I had limited power to install change and just limits and how my voice was actually heard in that space so I yeah, was there for a few years and I just even in the broader scheme of my life, I think I was being pushed to go to the next chapter, which was like being a business owner and the culmination of both of these things. So yeah, I resigned at the end of August, as you said, <laughs> oh, love that. And I didn't have another job lined up. I was just like, I'm going to figure this out. And it's n I don't recommend that to anyone. Like, don't <laughs> do what I did. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> And then, yeah, that was August. Um, about two months later in November, I registered the throne. And at the time, I mean, it was registered as an agency. I didn't have, there wasn't like there was a business plan. Again, don't do that. Like have a business plan if you're going to do stuff. I think there was just like a very strong intrinsic belief in the path that I was on and what I was trying to do. Um, even though there wasn't a clear plan, I always knew by the time that I was 30 that I wanted to start my own agency. This happened when I was 27. Yeah, 27 if I'm correct. And yeah, the throne was registered. It was kind of dormant for a few months and then life happened in Feb of 2018. Life happened in Feb of 2018 and yeah, the throne was officially born then. And now we've got a monster of a business. I am like, and it's only the start. <laughs> it's only the start. Talking about your, your business, what would you say have been your, your biggest challenges and thrills in your entrepreneurial journey? Shoo, what a question. What a question. Entrepreneurship in general is a roller coaster. There's no two days that are the same. I think the past year and a half of like us being entrepreneurs during a global pandemic was insane. Me being a mother um, and a single mother at that. So having to be an entrepreneur, be a single mom and try like just salvage a business through what has been one of the biggest almost challenging periods we, we've ever had so I think that has been a very wild journey but I think also the thrill in that is that you get to create your own path we work with incredible brands we get to ideate and conceptualize campaigns and to see that come to life from like absolutely nothing it's like a high it actually feels like a high there's no feeling that can compare to that and then also I think the journey of watching something that existed in your mind, like literally did not exist, become this tangible thing that has a value and impact. That's just like incredible for me. Oh man, that's so beautiful. In, in terms of your creativity, your drive, I mean, what, what inspires you and then how do you maintain it? Uh, that's interesting. So I've been doing a lot of like introspection of late and just trying to understand myself and exactly that like what drives me why do I do what I do what is my purpose and why do I care you know and I think again it's coming in a space where I, there aren't a lot of black female agency owners and knowing that we can body all we need is like the opportunity in this space so I'm very 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 passionate about 
creating space for black women, telling their stories, telling their, their narratives. Um, what would you say have been your worst and your best financial decisions? Because entrepreneurship is tough, right? You're not getting a regular salary. Uh, sometimes there is big chunks of money that land and there's bound to be some mistakes. Literally. You know? So, you know, what, what would you say have been your worst and your best financial decisions? My worst definitely was just not saving. Like, it was not something that was ingrained in me. It wasn't something that was taught. Um, it wasn't a culture that I really immersed myself in. So I think it took me a while to understand the importance of saving. And especially what you're saying, like sometimes there are massive chunks of money and then there are like dry seasons and you need to balance those out. So saving is, has been my biggest mistake and my best. Hmm. Or is it one that we're still working on? We're still working on the best one. Still trying to get our finances together. We're still trying to figure that out. Honestly, I think it's still, um, you know, a new journey. So understanding again, like saving now and investments, and looking at like what does prop, like especially long term, because I think about my son a lot. So like to have a trust fund for him, do we invest in property? I bought him land last year. I was like, you know. If he has land in 20 years from now, when I think about the long term, what are the best options for me? And I think that's just, yeah, I'm, I'm on that journey. I'm trying to see what is a good investment, what isn't, and what works for me specifically with my lifestyle and the type of career that I actually um, have. Do you play games? You look like you're very serious lady. Do you ever play games, relax? I do not. I really, really do well, not. Well, we're going to be playing the game on, 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 on the podcast. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, have you ever heard of Never Have I Ever? Yes. Cool. So I've got um, three statements that I have for you. And we just want to know, Never Have I Ever? Um, if you've never, it's cool. If you have, we'd like to know the story. What oh happened? Oh, my goodness. Down. Okay, this sounds like a fun <laughs> so game. Are you, ready? are you ready? Cool. So Never Have I Ever blown an insane amount on money on something ridiculous. You're laughing, so I know there's something <laughs> you spend. You spend money on something ridiculous. What was it? Oh my god! Okay, I'm so embarrassed to admit this. Safe space. Safe space on the Easy Does It podcast. Honestly, a man. What happened? <laughs> like, no, what the whole story. And that's all I can say. Give us a, li- give us a little bit. I can't even say. That's Did how. I'm clothes. I'm just so embarrassed alone. about that story. I'm so embarrassed. That bad. I can't even like you know. Uh, <laughs> when, when the mic is off, we're gonna talk about. This. No, I'm gonna tell you everything. <laughs> I hear you. I'm not going to judge you. So we'll move on to the next one, right? Never have I ever overpaid for a product or service because I felt stupid asking for more information. Wow, that is a good question. That is a very, very good question. Have you been in that situation? Look, I think I want to say never, but it's not a fully never. I do think I've overpaid paid a little bit but also because i'm a business person we're like uh, fundamental for us is negotiating and value for money and we're a startup you don't always have so that uh, kind of trickles into my personal okay. life where okay. i need to yeah all right no that's fair that's fair i get you right so the last one is never have i ever used my credit card to spoil myself could have been on a holiday, a shopping spree, a deposit on a car. You're laughing again, so I know the credit card was working. What, what, what did you get with it? I, listen, my one weakness, and I'm a woman, so shoes and handbags. Weakness. I, you know, this is why I need to work very hard and make a lot of money, because we can't be swiping the credit card, like. Uh, and that brings us to the end of part one of uh, Easy Vibes with Karen Williams. Um, in part two, we're going to focus a bit on social media. How do you make money from your followers, right? You've got a big following. How do you actually make money from it? That's what we do on the Easy Does It podcast. Your cool guide to investing.
Easy does it. That's how we do. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equity. <laughs>